Okay, well, good morning and Shabbat Shalom to everyone. So you're getting, getting a little bit of a tag team this morning since uh, my wife Mary did the drosh this morning, and so now I get the opportunity to uh, bring forth the message uh, before you all. Uh, before I start my message, I, uh, I always like to start with something a little funny or a little humorous. So here's a story. It was a Saturday morning, and a mother bangs on the door of her son's bedroom. Says, you got to get up. It's time to get ready for temple. He answers, I don't want to, Ma, and I'll give you two good reasons. Number one, those people don't like me. And number two, I don't like them. The mother answered to him, I'll give you two good reasons why you have to go. Number one, you're 59 years old. And number two, you're the rabbi. You see, I think he had a little problem with uh, relationships and his commitment, um, which kind of segues into what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And uh, the title of my sermon is Dare to Commit. Your life is shaped by your commitments. We become whatever we are committed to. Great people are just ordinary people who have made a commitment to a cause bigger than themselves. You know, in modern Israel's history, uh, two examples, David Ben-Gurion, who was the first prime minister of Israel, rose up because of his a great commitment to a cause. Golda Meir, who was prime minister, had led them during the, the Yom Kippur Wars, which was very serious, and, and possibly they could have lost it if they hadn't been strategic enough. Mother Teresa, another just ordinary person from, from what was uh, Albania, went on to, f- to start and, and form a ministry to help the poor and the sick in the streets of Calcutta, India. There are many more like them. I mean, you could go on down in, uh, the list. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King with the Civil Rights mo- Movement, some of our greatest presidents, Abraham Lincoln and such. You need a cause bigger than yourself to live for. And you'll find it will draw you out of yourself. It brings out greatness in life. I find today that these days people are kind of afraid to make commitments, I think. Seems like nobody wants to commit to anything anymore. It's like they were, think of it, they're on a a buffet line at the restaurant in the the cafeteria style. And they're going down the line with their their, uh, tray and... I said, well, you know, they see the salad. Well, no, nah, I'll, I'll wait and say, well, then they look at the casseroles and they keep going down and, you know, get to the, you know, the meats and stuff. And I said, well, what about the desserts? But they come to the end of the line, they haven't really picked anything yet. So they haven't made any commitment to anything. They just keep going down the line, trying to look for something better. But you realize you, you can't live your life without making some kind of commitments. Think about it. You can't buy a car without making a commitment. You can't buy a house without making a commitment. You can't accept a job opportunity. You can't get married without making a commitment. But the key is we want to make good commitments. And the Bible says something about making commitments. We could have our first slide up there. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, Do not give any part of your body for sinful use. Instead, give yourself to God as a living person who has been raised up from the dead. Give every part of your body to God to do what is right. It says, give yourself to God. 
Give yourself completely to God. That is a commitment. You have to make a commitment if you're going to give yourself, if you're going to give every part of your body, your living being, to the Lord. You've got to be highly committed to give yourself to God. It's putting yourself in God's hands. It's trusting Him with your life. And likewise, in Romans chapter 12, where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now notice the two words, offer and, well, three words, living sacrifice, a sacrifice. It talks about offering your life. That means your offering applies willingness. You of your own free will choose to offer yourself to God. And as a living sacrifice, well, what, what does it mean by living sacrifice? That had a lot of specific meaning in the, in the day and time when this was written by Shaul. Because you have to remember, the daily sacrifice was still being done in the temple in Jerusalem every day. They would, they would sacrifice animals. So to be a living sacrifice, it says, you're giving your all, your entire life to God. But as a living, a daily sacrifice... It is continual. It is a daily commitment on your part. There are five things that God wants us to do with our lives. Think about these. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to serve Him. And He wants us to share Him with others. So those five things, to know Him, to love Him, to grow in Him, to serve Him, and to share Him with others. So I'm going to be talking with you this morning about commitment. And now that word commitment, if you think about it, it's, it's defined as engagement, uh, involvement. It means pledging yourself, pledging yourself to something or someone. Let's look at this following statement and think about it. Okay. It reads, a great commitment to the great commandment and, a great, and the great commission will grow us as a great congregation. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow us as a great congregation. So what is the great commandment? Well, Yeshua told us it's to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. We say this every Shabbat. Ve'ahavta. Now, what is the Great Commission? Those are also words of Yeshua. It says to go and make people from all nations, both Jew and Gentile, into Talmudin, that is, disciples, immersing them in the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I, Yeshua, have commanded you. So we are to know Him, to love Him, to grow in him and serve him and share him with others. You can't accomplish these things without making commitment. You cannot fulfill God's purpose in your life by yourself. You need relationship in your life. We were all made for community. We were made for relationships. The Bible said is, says it is not good for man to be alone. And that's whether you're married or not. 
you need a spiritual family. In order for you to fulfill God's purpose in your life, I'm going to cover five commitments that you can make. These commitments will enable you to live out the great commandment and the great commission. And in so doing, we can build a great, great congregation together. So number one, number one commitment. Number one is to, strength, to strengthen my faith, I commit to uniting with others in worship. Commit to uniting with others in worship. Now, you might say or think, well, wait a minute, worship is for God, right? Well, you are right, right? We, we worship because we want to give our glory to praise to God, and that's why we do that, right? But there are many benefits to us as well. There are very many benefits, and I just want to mention a couple of them. One, it renews our faith, and two, it restores our joy. It renews our faith and restores our joy. When we come together like this and worship together, we are renewing our faith, and it's helping to restore our joy. Look in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We pull that up. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Says they will soar on wings like eagles. Not going to fly like chickens, going to fly like eagles, soaring above the earth. We will not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. How many of you have gotten up on Shabbat morning after working all week, and you've, you're tired, you've worked all week, it's been a rough week, and you're feeling tired and weary, but then you come into service, and we sing, we praise, we lift up the Lord in celebration, and you are renewed. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. We hear it. You are renewed like the eagle, soaring like wings of eagles. We feel that renewal. We get renewed and recharged. It's like the, the, the battery cables on the, the, the dead battery. or the, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, ah, I'm alive again. It's, uh, it's not like a, I want to say it's not like a watching a golf game or something like that. Um, in fact, one of, the, one of the great things to do is after Shabbat service, if you want to go take your Shabbat nap, it's just turn on the golf channel or something, and they're, they're talking in the low voices, and he's at the number thing. And it's like, and I, of course, if I put that on, I just go, I'm right out. Okay. But when we worship, I think it's more like a Rocky movie. You know, you hear this, the music, feeling strong down, feeling, it's like you get renewed, you get recharged. That's what worship is like. It's renewing, recharging. It's like more like Rocky running up the steps in Philadelphia there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Amen? Oh, yes. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Yes. Okay. Um, let's look at Psalm 100, please. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy for, to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, come to the house of the Lord. 
I was glad when he said to me, let's go up and worship the Lord. We bring forth grateful praise. We praise and sing because it restores joy to our life. We gather and unite in worship. So that's number one, right? We unite in worship and our commitment together. Number two, I must connect with others for fellowship. We only learn through relationship. We must be connected to other believers. Relationship helps you discover your own identity. Think about it. How would you know who you are if you had no interaction with other humans, no human contact? You wouldn't even know your name. It's, it's, it's in our relationship. Your parents gave you your name. That's how you know who your name is. Right? If we don't have relationships with other people, we don't have fellowships, we don't understand who we are. That's how we, how we learn. Look at Romans chapter 12. For just as there are many parts that compose one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. So there are many of us, and in union with the Messiah, we comprise one body, with each of us belonging to the others. Our bodies have many parts, lots of parts. But what if a part is cut off? Say your finger, for example. If your finger was cut off, and God forbid, that's a horrible thought, but what good is your finger by itself? What, what can your finger do by, by itself? Nothing. It has to be connected to the rest of your body. If you're not connected, you're not going to know your role. You're not going to know your purpose, your meaning. Your value is in connection with the body of Messiah, all you. That's why, when you think about it, when you're in conflict with someone, your life stinks. You feel miserable. Why is that? Because, I mean, you can have all kinds of money. You can have good health. You can feel good. You can look good. Then everything's great. But then somebody says a, critic, you know, a criticizing word. Someone rejects you or someone, someone betrays you. Suddenly, life feels awful. Why? I just said you had everything else going for you, but why, why did that little word, why did that little reaction, why did that upset you so much? It's because relationships are so important to us. And that's why God wants us, as the body of Messiah, to be peacemakers, be reconcilers, and instead of creating conflict, create joy and harmony in the world. Ephesians chapter 2, if we could turn to that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And Shaul says here, referring to Yeshua, by destroying in his own body the enmity occasioned by the Torah, with its commands set forth in the form of ordinances, he did this in order to create in union with himself from the two groups a single new humanity, and thus make shalom, that is peace. And in order to reconcile to God both in a single body by being executed on a stake as a criminal and thus in himself killing that enmity. We have a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling God back to man or man back to God. It's the end of the hostility. He tore down the veil between God and man. Jew and Gentile, 
one in Yeshua, one in Messiah, one in the olive tree, all together. 2 Corinthians verse 5. And it is all from God, who through the Messiah has reconciled us to himself and has given us the work of that reconciliation, which is that God in the Messiah was reconciling mankind to himself, not counting their sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. What better place to minister and proclaim the good news for Jew and Gentile alike? How much is that ministry needed right now in our own nation? We look at, you watch the news, you see the anger, the strife, the discord, the the difficulty people have with a relationship with each other. We can be the place showing love and fellowship. We can be that place of peace. We can be that place of refuge for people, regardless of their background. Number three, I must learn from others to grow. Some things you can only learn in relationship. For example, you you learn forgiveness in a relationship. You learn loyalty in relationship. You learn love in relationship. You learn kindness. You learn faithfulness. You learn to be unselfish. You can't learn these things by yourself. They're all relationship-related issues. They're all between people, your, your family, your body of believers, your neighbors, etc. And that's why, as far as our congregation, it's so important to be part of a chavara. It is friendship. It is fellowship. We get together in small groups. We have a meal together. We pray. We sing. Sometimes we just, we just schmooze and talk. It's fellowship together. It's enjoying each other. It's relationship with each other. You can't do these things on your own. Where is the best place for you to learn these kind of things. It's in your congregation, of course, right here. This is your family. This is your spiritual relatives. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You all help each other to grow. The person sitting next to you on the bench needs you. You need that person next to you. You need each other. See, God wired us to need each other. I have seen many people start coming to this congregation, and over time I see them grow and develop and become spiritually mature. It is in your interaction with others that this occurs. You grow together. You strengthen each other. Number four, I must serve with others in ministry. To experience significance in life, I must serve with others in ministry. Significance does not come from status. It does not come from your salary, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, whether they're designer or Kmart or whatever. 
does not come from your sexual partners, does not come from your fame. Significance comes from service. Significance comes when you stop thinking about you and start thinking about other people. Significance comes when you give your life away. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Use whatever gifts you have, what gifts you received, as, and serve others, faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Your talents, and you might say, well, you know, I don't really have any talents. Oh, yes, you do, because God gave them to you. You may not recognize them, or maybe you haven't discovered them yet, but God gave you talents, and he didn't give them to you for your benefit. He gave them to you to bless the person sitting next to you. And likewise, that person has talents that are there to benefit you. Use the talents that God gave you. Be the faithful steward of those gifts. Bless the body of believers. Bless your congregational family. That is why we need each other. Think about these words. Ministry is the path to meaning, but service is the path to significance. Ministry is the path to meaning, but service is the path to significance. You are never going to feel good about yourself until you start giving your life away. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it all bottled up. Yeshua said, in these words in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, It says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the good news will save it. There is a difference between prominence and significance. You see, my my nose may be prominent, but it's not significant. It may be crooked and kind of large and all there, but but it may be prominent, but it's not significant. You see, I could live without my nose. But my liver, my heart, my lungs, they're not prominent. You don't see them. But could I live without them? Uh Uh-uh. They are significant. There's no such thing as insignificant service. Whether it's being an usher in service, giving the sermon, putting out the chairs for Oneg, cleaning up after Oneg, prayer time, cantering, doing the media, sound, Worship music, it's all significant service. All has to be done. All of it matters. Look at Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Two people working together are better than one. When we work together, we maximize our impact. 
What we do together will be far more significant than what we do alone. Working together with your fellow synagogue members. Don't think that you are insignificant. Just like a raindrop in the desert might seem insignificant, a million raindrops can bring life to a thirsty land. Working together can bring life, can bring the good news to thirsty souls. Yeshua said, whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for me. There is no such thing as insignificant service. And number five, lastly, says, I must join with others on mission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Yeshua said, Therefore, go and make people from all nations into Talmudin, immersing them in the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKadosh, and teaching them to obey everything that I have said, commanded you, and remember, I will be with you always, yes, even until the end of the age. That's the second half of that statement I said earlier, the Great Commission. We have a commitment to the Great Commission. Tikvat Israel, which Tikvat, do you all know it means hope? Tikvat Israel is hope of Israel, is here because of the Great Commission. If you think of it otherwise, we would just be another synagogue, perhaps reform, conservative, I'm not sure which. But we are a messianic synagogue because we have the message of hope, the message of Yeshua. We bring forth this message to the Jew first and to the nations, to the Gentiles. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. This is a home where Jews and Gentiles alike can worship together in distinctly Jewish ways. If it wasn't, we would be just another church. God has given you a purpose for life. Why would he give you a purpose that is different than his purpose for history? God created humankind because he wanted a family. He wanted family, and that's why we have relationship together. You have a unique place in the body of Messiah. You have a unique talents. Commit yourself to fulfilling the great commandment that Yeshua spoke of and the great commission which he spoke of by serving your brothers and sisters here at Tikvat Israel. Together, we can accomplish much. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Shabbat Shalom to you.